The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had ordered them. When they all saw him, they worshipped, but were doubted. And Jesus approached them and said to them, All power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. The Gospel of the Lord. So not a week into ordinary time, and the church already gives us another solemnity. The church is a good mother, knows we can't go too long without another party. And this one is to praise and adore the triune God. Now every priest kind of dreads this feast day because you're bound to preach a heresy or something when you speak of the Trinity. (laughs) Hopefully that won't happen today. But today, in fact, we're actually invited to look behind the veil into God's inner life. He is an eternal exchange of love. Some of the Greek fathers of the church used the term perichoresis, which is literally, it was a name for a dance. And it means, related to the Trinity, the three dancing around the one nature. God is not a solitude. He is not static. He is not a miser. He's a communion of persons. He's dynamic. He's an outpouring of love. The very first number of the Catechism starts with this truth about who God is and then immediately points it and connects it to us. So I'll read the whole paragraph here. God infinitely perfect and blessed in himself in a plan of sheer goodness freely created man to make him share in his own blessed life. For this reason, at every time and in every place, God draws close to man. He calls man to seek him, to know him, to love him with all his strength. He calls together all men scattered and divided by sin into the unity of his family, the church. To accomplish this, when the fullness of time had come, God sent His Son as Redeemer and Savior. In His Son and through Him, He invites men to become in the Holy Spirit His adopted children and thus heirs of His blessed life. So right there, and then with Numbers 2 and 3, is the summary of this homily. In a way, the summary of the feast day. In fact, the summary of what it means to be a human being. The blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who is fullness of life and love, creates and calls us to share in His fullness of life and love. And this is from the third paragraph. And you are urged on by love of Christ to proclaim the good news everywhere in the world. 
That's what it's all about. So your homework will be to go back to numbers 1 through 3. Am I kidding? 1 through 3 of the Catechism, right at the beginning, it sets the stage. Everything in this book, the Catechism, this is what it's about. God, who is perfect, opens himself, creates, and calls. And he sends you to call others. So before your homework, and since this is my last homily, homily, we'll unfold this a bit, and it might be a tad longer than normal, but that's okay. If I see you getting antsy, I'll make a joke or something. But just So first I want to circle back to the fact that this solemnity falls in ordinary time. Someone recently asked me this past week, in fact, if I had a gospel verse that could encapsulate ordinary time. So I was like, wow, that's a, that's a good question. So I kind of thought about it. And as I thought about it, I didn't think of the gospel. I thought of a passage, actually. Jesus went about doing good. So I googled, okay, where's that in the gospels? And it was actually in Acts of the Apostles, which actually made me think, that's it. Acts of the Apostles, that's the ordinary time message. It's the post-Pentecost ordinary time and how extraordinary it was. So imagine the first Pentecost. This is the first week after. All the energy of the church, the explosion, the dynamism. The outpouring. It sheds a different life on what ordinary time is. And it brings us right to this feast. If you look at St. Peter's preaching the Acts of the Apostles, so you can do that starting in chapter 2, right after Pentecost, his first papal discourse, and then just thumb through and you'll see another time when he speaks to the Sanhedrin. He speaks to Cornelius, who is a pagan. He adjusts the message, but at the core, this is always present. What tradition calls the kerygma. So we have two Greek so far, Greek words so far, perichoresis, the dance, and now kerygma, which basically, literally means the proclamation. But specifically, it's referring to the proclamation of the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the incarnate word, the Son of God, who gives life in his spirit. That's in every one of Peter's discourses. The kerygma. The proclamation. It is an account of the living power of the Holy Spirit who brings Jesus into the world, into the hearts of men and women, into boys and girls. And that is the gospel for today. The gospel of Trinity Sunday. It's all there. So let's take a deeper look at that, the gospel. We have three words that I'll focus on. It speaks of power, a command, and communion. First, we have Jesus' power. Jesus has been given all authority by the Father. He's the high priest. He's the king. And he is always the one who is sent from the Father to bestow on his people the same gifts that he's been given through his Holy Spirit. His power is our confidence. His power works through us because, and it's our last word, which we'll look at in a moment, he is always with us. He doesn't leave us alone. But first, his power, he has the authority to say, go, his command, go, make disciples. You are by virtue of being consecrated to the triune God through your baptism, sealed by your confirmation. Apostles, 
That means you're sent. When he says go, it means you're sent. That means you're an apostle. Now, there are the 12 apostles, but every Christian is an apostle. You're sent. And he says two things. Baptize and teach. Go make disciples by baptizing and teaching. So some of you are thinking, okay, let's do baptism. I've never baptized anyone, and I probably won't ever baptize anyone. Now, maybe a lot of you know this, but actually in very extraordinary circumstances, any human being can baptize another. Even a non-Christian can baptize someone who desires it. They use the formula, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that person belongs to God. That's how important the sacrament is. And even more, that's how much God yearns for each of us to be with him. Now, most of you probably won't be faced with that extreme situation. But by analogy, you're called to bear witness to the baptism you've received. And here's something I heard in a talk once referring to priests. The speaker, Bob Schutz, was saying, you weren't ordained, and let's apply this now to us. It's not that you were baptized. You are baptized. It wasn't that you were anointed. You are anointed. It's your identity. It's who you are. It wasn't a gift once upon a time, and now, well, hopefully that will last. I remember what happened. No, it's, that's who you are. And then through that, when you are go, go out into the world, you bring anointing to the world. You are the Father's own sons and daughters, and He is your Abba. And through that, you give witness and draw others, hopefully, to the springs, the life-giving waters of baptism. Then Jesus also says, go and teach. Now think of the best teacher you've ever had. Maybe you have to go all the way back to elementary school. Maybe you think of, if your kids right now, oh, my best teacher actually is my mom, you know. <laughs> Mom's like, yeah, I hope you're thinking that. Well, the best teacher you've ever had, and I'm guessing that it's not that the person was the expert in their subject. Now, maybe they also were an ex- expert in their subject, but at least in my case, the best teachers I've had They were good at what they did, but they also were experts in their students. They cared about their students. They cared about me. Those are the people I remember, like that was a good teacher. And when Jesus says, go and teach, just kind of keep that model in mind. When I'm before another person, sometimes we have to say, hey, stop doing that. But more often, at least in my experience, the long game is required. And more importantly, look to Jesus. How did he treat the different people he met? How did he teach them? Sometimes he was direct. Other times he was, most of the times he was actually very gentle. But it's important to remember the person in front of you is beloved by God. God yearns for that person. That first number of the catechism, that's for that person in front of you. When we're called to go teach, it's to remember that. Boldness in sharing the message and mercy, which is the core of the message, always go together. That's our mission. To realize that I'm sent by this God who loves us, who invites us into himself. So that we have his power, command, and then finally communion. Jesus' power... Sorry, Jesus, he says, finally, I am with you always... He is forever Emmanuel, God with us. He doesn't send you into the wilderness alone. And he exercises his power and his presence through you. That's a line in Mark's gospel, the last 
line of Mark's gospel, it highlights the, uh, the disciples went out and Jesus worked through them in a mysterious way. That knowing that Christ is with you gives you that deep courage. So, to say all of this another way, it's good to see it in different perspectives, and don't worry, we're coming to the end here. To say is the commission cannot be understood as the essence of the common priesthood of the faithful. Everyone who is baptized participates in the common priesthood of the faithful. And it's interesting to think of it in those terms, the terms we've just seen. So listen to what St. Peter says in his first letter. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. He's talking to all of us. A holy nation, God's own people, that you may declare the wonderful deeds of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were no people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is from the Catechism. All the baptized are called to declare God's wonderful deeds. The common priesthood of the faithful is exercised by the unfolding of baptismal grace. A life of faith, hope, and charity. A life according to the Spirit. So that's the sense of today's celebration. To worship and adore the blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who is the fullness of life and love who creates and calls us to share in His fullness of life and love, and who always sends each of us to live a life according to the Spirit, to call others out of darkness into His marvelous light. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. God has revealed His innermost secret, that He's an eternal exchange of love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and has destined us to share in that exchange. Filled now with joy, we raise up our prayers. That the preaching and teaching of the church will bless all who desire to share in the life of the Blessed Trinity, we pray to the Lord. Lord, That through the justice of earthly rulers, all will come to know God's authority in majesty, we pray to the Lord. Lord hear our the repose of those souls, of those who have died in service to our nation, and all who have continued to risk their lives in military service, we pray to the Lord. Lord hear our For our parish, that our communion in faith will become a more perfect likeness of the Blessed Trinity. We pray to the Lord that the people everywhere will have an unfailing respect for all persons from conception to natural death. For we are created in the image of the Trinity. We pray to the Lord for those who live without faith that the love of the Blessed Trinity will awaken their minds and give hope to their hearts, we pray to the Lord. For the grace this week of renewed awareness that by grace we have in our souls the presence 
of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray to the Lord. For those who are ill and have asked for our prayers, may all who suffer be comforted by our love and our concern and by God's healing touch, we pray to the Lord. For deceased members of our families, friends, and members of our church, we pray. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed 